I'm Aaron David Miller, and this is Carnegie Connects. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I, I truly hope you're sound, safe, and of course, very healthy. I'm Aaron David Miller, a senior fellow with the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, and welcome to Carnegie Connects, a set of virtual, hopefully at some point in person, presentations and conversations on issues of critical importance to America and to the world. Today, I'm very pleased to host uh, Zameh Khalilzad, a former colleague and friend, for a discussion of U.S. policy um, in uh, Afghanistan. I must say that no American uh, stood at the forefront, or at least in the center, of U.S.-Afghan policy for as long as um, Ambassador Khalilzad has. He is, in a kind of sense, I don't mean to trivialize this, the Forrest Gump, of U.S.-Afghan policy. He was there in the wake of 2001, the lawyer Jirga, Bonn, first elections, and went on to become uh, ambassador to Afghanistan and then and then Iraq. Uh, so uh, I'm pleased to welcome you, Zal, this morning to, uh, to Carnegie Connects. Uh, it's been a long time since the halcyon days of uh, our collaboration and, and policy planning and uh, working for then Secretary of State uh, George Schultz and our travels, uh, which I do remember fondly, uh, if not hazardly, through the region. Uh, much has changed since that time. Uh, I do want to talk to you about um, the and get some thematic altitude to talk about the broader view of Afghanistan and review what went right and what went wrong. But I want to drill down initially on some specific issues. Let's start first with. Um, the fact that last week you resigned as special U.S. envoy for Afghan re reconciliation. Um, was it, uh, why? Uh, was it by mutual agreement? Was it time? Um, what was your thinking in order to step down after such a long, long involvement in this issue? Well, first of all, thank you, Aaron. And uh, it's great to be with you. Uh, as you said correctly, uh, we worked together in the 1980s, so it's uh, we have known each other for a long time. Uh, thanks uh, uh, for this opportunity. With regard to the question, uh, in fact, there were uh, two real reasons uh, for uh, uh, leaving when I did. Uh, one was uh, that uh, we were in a new phase in terms of uh, Afghanistan policy. Uh, with the uh, Taliban takeover, uh, uh, of Afghanistan with the government collapsing, uh, the situation with regard to reconciliation uh, uh, was no longer uh, uh, a, a central uh, topic, uh, focus of U.S. foreign policy. And uh, second was uh, my concern uh, that uh, uh, in this new phase, our policy was being constrained. Uh, what we needed to do in terms of advancing the national interest in Afghanistan by politics, by the unrealistic, uh, and sometimes I must say, uh, ill-informed uh, uh, discussion and debate uh, that uh, imposed constraint on uh, on 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 pursuing a policy that served uh, 
the national interest. And therefore, I thought uh, that I perhaps would be um, more uh, useful. Uh, I could make a contribution if by participating in the public arena in the debate outside the government uh, so that hopefully we will see whether I succeed in that, given uh, the administration the opportunity to decide not so much based on political constraints, uh, but based on 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 uh, to make it easier politically to pursue what would serve the U.S. interests going forward in Afghanistan. I mean, with honesty and clarity, there is a real advantage to being out there in the public conversation. But what is it? What was it about the debate? And I assume you're referring to the debate not inside an administration, but the public conversation surrounding the withdrawal, what were the elements that you felt were not being, or what right. are we missing? Uh, well, I think there is a lot of anger out there, uh, both uh, inside uh, uh, parts of our government uh, and, uh, 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 of course, huge disappointment. Uh, 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 and the perception is that the Taliban uh, or a terrorist organization, very unpopular, uh, based on the commentary that has been made, uh, that perhaps will produce a policy that will be counterproductive to our interest uh, if we say uh, or take steps that contributes to the failure of the Afghan state uh, uh, by uh, not engaging seriously uh, with the Talibs, uh, not uh, uh, allowing funds to go to the country, uh, freezing the, the, the accounts of the government uh, of Afghanistan uh, that would uh, bring about the collapse. Uh, uh, and in turn, one reason for the, uh, the agreement with, uh, for withdrawal was to bring Afghanistan to a, an appropriate level of U.S. engagement and expenditure of resources, both financial military and and uh, uh, diplomatic attention and we're heading in that direction but if Afghanistan collapses uh, the state collapses uh, there is a civil war uh, there is huge humanitarian uh, uh, crisis that millions of Afghans would have to leave the country it will destabilize the region. It will create problems in terms of our relation with allies because they would be mostly heading towards Europe. And uh, it would create space for terrorism, uh, for terrorists, again, ungoverned spaces, where then Afghanistan, uh, uh, contrary to what we would like, become again a huge problem and a huge item that would absorb our attention. So I was... I think what we need to do is to uh, uh, look at our interests and then pursue policies based on that. And I'm sure we will talk about what uh, I would advocate. But uh, that, that was, uh, I thought that was not being uh, allowed uh, uh, to do what's in our interest, was not being, but because of politics, uh, was not being pursued uh, because the, the, the president and others felt constrained. That, that's a fascinating insight. In fact, that's the first time I think in all of your interviews, I've heard you express the view that what is required now, and correct me if I'm wrong, is a, is a, a more broad-minded approach that looks at the well-being of the Afghan state, Taliban or no Taliban, uh, tethered to what we believe are our national interests. 
but it bumps up against the realities of American domestic politics and what clearly is well a well-deserved demonization uh, based on how the Taliban is behaving. So I, I was going to get to this later, but you raised it. So let's get to it now. How do you reconcile the fact that as winter approaches in a country of what, some 23 million people, you've got food insecurity that may represent famine, uh, if not starvation, to large numbers of Afghans, particularly children. How should we, given the, uh, the mistrust of the Taliban and their behavior so far in certain areas, how do you reconcile the two? Well, I mean, uh, rather than uh, driven by uh, kind of what happened in terms of uh, uh, the fact that we did not succeed in defeating them, and that has left a bad taste in uh, people's mouth. Uh, 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 and, of course, uh, 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 the behavior of the Taliban uh, in the 90s when they were in government, and uh, although th it's uh, not exactly the same, but it's not uh, uh, what it should be, uh, the, the, uh, we could uh, and uh, let the Talibs uh, uh, um, uh, uh, fail uh, uh, um, and contribute to that failure, uh, or uh, we could, uh, uh, which I advocate, is to look at our interests going forward, and uh, those, those interests are clearly counterterrorism is important uh, that remains vital, but also in terms of uh, 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 human rights uh, in terms of uh, the welfare of the Afghan people uh, uh, and uh, uh, the Talibs uh, seek uh, uh, normal relations with us. They would like us to op reopen the embassy. Uh, they would like uh, uh, to have uh, uh, access to the monies that belong to Afghanistan in the U.S. Uh, or, and in Europe. And uh, they would like to uh, have economic uh, assistance. So uh, I believe that we need to sit with them uh, to uh, agree to a roadmap uh, that takes into account uh, the issue of our distrust or mistrust of each other and therefore uh, behavior that we expect has to take place over a time period. Uh, so that we can see a, a pattern and in exchange for uh, for that the specific steps that we would take and and uh, uh, I believe that uh, 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 while we are engaging them uh, on terrorism on moving towards a roadmap uh, uh, I think there are constraints uh, because of the unpopularity of the Taliban uh, some deserved some by the kind of uh, uh, the anger and disappointment uh, and disagreement with regard to our withdrawal uh, that is in the body politic is uh, is, uh, is 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 uh, having uh, uh, I would say effects that are contrary to our interests because I believe that if uh, the state of Afghanistan collapses, uh, our interests including uh, the human rights interests, including the terrorism interests, will, uh, uh, will suffer uh, and we will become once again potentially 
refocused uh, uh, significantly uh, to deal with the consequences of that. Um, you know, we did not pursue a conditions-based withdrawal in the end. You referred to it as a calendar-based withdrawal, and it, it certainly was, even though we don't want to get back to the issue of the February 2020 agreement. But what you seem to be suggesting now is a sort of condition-based peace or normalcy. Right, normalcy with the Taliban. They do things and we do things. And they linked or linked to each other uh, specifically in writing. And in detail. Right. I mean, I hate to, I hate to introduce this, Vac, but what you're suggesting is that the Biden administration do serious diplomacy with directly, directly with the Taliban. And with the neighboring states and with the other powers, uh, uh, that have influence. Uh, the more we have others with us, uh, I think that will make it also easier politically if we did uh, pursue uh, what I am uh, advocating in collaboration with allies because they have a lot of interest, particularly our European allies. On their, their number one concern is refugees. The collapse will produce refugees uh, uh, there, and uh, with, uh, with on terrorism, we have a uh, we have a, a broad international uh, uh, consensus. Uh, so I would think that uh, that uh, uh, that's what needs to happen. But I think uh, what you said, the real uh, diplomatic engagement uh, with the objective that I described, but I believe that uh, it's politically uh, uh, and uh, palatable. There are people who would say uh, we shouldn't lift a finger to do anything. Let the Taliban who, uh, who, uh, who did what they did, including uh, uh, what happened, uh, in terms of, uh, our withdrawal, uh, 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 let them, uh, uh, uh suffer. Uh, so they wanted to take over the country. They, they did. And, and let's see, uh, what happens. Right. So uh, a lot of this rests on the bona fides of the Taliban. Uh, and whether the Talibs have indeed evolved, not because their ideology has changed, because the exigencies of their circumstances are now different. But, you know, conquering a country is one thing, governing it and ha having responsibility for the well-being of 23 million people is quite another. It, is this and why should we believe, based on the Talibs' behavior so far, that this isn't simply a any moderation, amelioration of their hardline views toward women, uh, toward other minorities uh, in Afghanistan, that at, toward uh, providing a sanctuary for ISIS-K. In your view, is there any reason to believe this is uh, not Taliban 1.0 and somehow it's now 2.0? Well, I do believe that uh, um, uh, the Taliban have changed in in in, in some ways and are uh, the same uh, in other ways, and that there are differences of view inside. There are factions inside, uh, and uh, 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 on issues that you described, for example, on ISIS K, and uh, they are the worst enemy of ISIS K, and we have a common interest with them, and in fact. Uh, uh, they have committed themselves to the destruction of ISIS-K. Uh, we could uh, ideally 
Um, although the Talibs would not want to appear because it could cause them difficulties politically uh, with more Islamist elements than they, that they are a partner of the United States in fighting some other Muslims. But nevertheless, uh, they have fought ISIS-K. Uh, uh, they have done uh, in the past uh, uh, a good job of it. We will see right now they seem to be having challenges in dealing with uh, ISIS-K. They could, uh, they could benefit uh, from some understanding and help from outside in dealing with, uh, with, with that. Second, uh, I think they, people think that they, they, uh, they don't keep their word. Uh, they're not trustworthy, but I have to say that, uh, 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 in the agreement that we made with them, they agreed not to attack the United States forces after the signing of the agreement. Despite the fact that we must have killed hundreds, if not thousands of Talibs after that agreement, because we had the right to come to the assistance of the Afghan forces, not a single American was killed by them during the 18 months of the withdrawal period. Uh, I know there were a lot of pressures on them since we were bombing them uh, when they were attacking Afghan forces that they should respond. And on terrorism issues, uh, they agreed uh, not to allow uh, terrorist groups, including Al Qaeda, which was important to get it to mention, be mentioned specifically that they, uh, 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 did stick to the agreement not to allow plotting and planning, uh, by terrorist groups against the United States and, and allies. Now we need more from them since we're not there. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, and on human rights, they're not the same. They're not, uh, where they, uh, uh, where we would like them, whether universal standards, not American standards, universal standards are, but they're not the same as the, the nineties. There is a change and the change is that in uh, now, you know, in private universities, the uh, men and women are going and in the old Taliban only, uh, uh, uh 900 boys went to school uh, no girls school w- w- were allowed. Uh, and, uh, 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 in high school, they're saying they're moving, but n- uh, not a, with the speed to open I- all high schools for girls and boys. So far, they have opened it for boys, girls, only three, four provinces. They say they are, uh, because they believe in separate, uh, education for girls and boys that they have not organized themselves in terms of, uh, 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 to, to, to do that. So yes, there are issues with regard to human rights, but I think uh, we have to think about uh, about uh, what the collapse would mean uh, and the humanitarian suffering and and uh, and uh, uh, of the Afghan people. So, therefore, I favor what I described. Yeah, you know, you've been around the block on this issue far longer than I have, um, for sure. But is it really is it credible to give the Talibs the benefit of the doubt? Given, given their policies on women and, and girls, given the advances that have been made over the course of the last two decades, uh, the openness, uh, access to Internet, uh, change in social mores, which, according to some, even according to you, has literally transformed the country. Talibs may be in control, but it's not the same Afghanistan. And I guess the real question is, to what degree are they prepared to accept these new trend lines, which are, are quite impressive. Um, I, I, 
I, I remain pretty skeptical on this. Uh, but again, uh, over to you, particularly on the issue of women and rights of women and girls. Where are we on this? So skepticism is justified. Uh, uh, there is no uh, question about that. But skepticism shouldn't lead to paralysis. Uh, um, uh, skepticism should lead to exploration, uh, to how we shape uh, whatever we do uh, uh, that... Uh, um, uh, uh, what we do, if there is a, an agreement on roadmap, depends on what they do. I believe that the engagement, uh, given their strong need, uh, they have an interest in surviving, uh, certainly. They have an interest in, uh, and there may be some who say, well, uh, uh, we will do everything uh, if something uh, uh, based on Islam, their interpretation, and if it doesn't work, it must be God's will. Uh, no compromise with the unbeliever. I mean, I'm sure there are elements in uh, in uh, the Taliban and uh, and you know these forces in other parts of the of the region as well. But the, but I think there are pragmatists also uh, inside the Taliban uh, that uh, that might uh, that might in exchange for normalcy, moving the step by step toward normalcy in exchange for assistance in exchange for uh, 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 engagement on, uh, support, uh, that they would, uh, they would, uh, uh, be incentivized to make it easier for those who are advocates of a positive evolution on issues of concern. They might never achieve what we would like to see them be, but at least, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, uh, not to take Afghanistan back, which will be very difficult, and you're right, to the uh, situation of the 1990s. Uh, 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 I think uh, a policy of engagement, uh, of uh, roadmap uh, uh, that they do in exchange for which what we do and uh, taking into account uh, the, the issue of mistrust. Uh, I mean, from the school of trust but verify, and, and I think we, we, uh, that would apply here. It's a long and well-established school. So let's, picking up on that point, let's get to the issue of America's core vital interest in Afghanistan. Um, I don't want to dismiss values uh, at all um, and human rights. But we entered Afghanistan as a consequence of a national security issue. Are you confident, and you you were responsible for negotiating the February 2020 agreement on the issue of uh, the Talib's, Taliban's commitments uh, and undertakings on, on counterterrorism. Are you satisfied, um, based on what you've seen or what you intuit, that we are, uh, that those commitments can be relied upon? Well, I think we have to hold them to those commitments. Uh, we have uh, noticed uh, and observed uh, that in terms of uh, allowing plotting and planning, they've taken steps not to allow that. Uh, now, we, if we want them to expel uh, folks, because at one point we didn't want some people expelled because we thought if they leave Afghanistan, where we were there, uh, with forces that could take steps, they could go around to places where it would be harder for us to 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 get to them uh, to do to bring them to justice, uh, as President Bush uh, 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 liked to say. 
but I believe that uh, uh, they've suffered a great deal of 19 years of war. Uh, a lot of their people killed, uh, lost power. Uh, I, I think they, uh, they, they have told me repeatedly they don't want to repeat that mistake again for Afghanistan, uh, for Taliban, which has been given a second chance. Uh, to put it all at risk again. So uh, I, I think it's their interest uh, uh, not to do that. Ex perhaps in extreme circumstance, if they were falling apart and uh, there were no other resources, but uh, terrorists were uh, 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 willing to help them financially, if they might, I don't know. I, but I believe whatever agreement we make, at the same time, we must have the ability, although maybe less than when we were in Afghanistan, to observe, to monitor. That's why the President Biden is talking about over-the-horizon monitoring. Uh, uh, and uh, at the same time, we have to have the ability to strike if necessary. So I believe agreement with them and uh, having relations with them and monitoring and being able to uh, to to strike if needed that's the package that will be at much lower cost uh, for us in terms of the, 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 the resources required than if we were uh, continuing to uh, prosecute a war in Afghanistan, a war that wasn't going well. We were losing territory each year, costing 40 billion and thousands of troops. While the terrorist threat in Afghanistan had uh, changed significantly, it wasn't what it was uh, like. Prior to 9/11, there were just uh, 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 a few hundred uh, uh, to, uh, with dozens only of serious Al Qaeda types, perhaps in the country. That sort of problem existed in many other countries in the region and beyond. And why would we uh, kind of put the kind of resources that we were putting in Afghanistan? And that was the question that the presidents, both uh, Trump and Biden, were asking us. Thanks for listening to Carnegie Connects. This show would not be possible without the generous support of our donors. If you'd like to support us, visit ceip.org slash donate. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to tune into the conversation live? Click the link in the description below to receive invitations to the next Carnegie Connects. Now, back to the show. The commitments on counterterrorism are pretty specific. No hosting, no fundraising, no recruiting. Um, am I right to assume that there are other commitments that have not been made public uh, with respect to the counterterrorism front? And, and if they haven't been made public, have they been briefed to Congress? Yes, uh, everything that we have agreed, including the classified uh, uh, parts, uh, two parts that were classified, have been uh, briefed to everyone uh, who had the clearances uh, and Congress included. Yes, they so they have been, and there are additional specific commitments. The other curious thing in in your interview with Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan, the two of you got into a very interesting conversation, brief though it was on the question of whether or not it was feasible for the Biden administration to actually negotiate some sort of residual American presence. 
in in Afghanistan. And I, I wondered, because I thought you had inferred that had the withdrawal been handled differently, it, it, it there might have been an opportunity opportunity to actually negotiate uh, either for intelligence purposes or for counterterrorism purposes um, a, a a residual U.S. presence sounds quite fantastical to me, but you're on the inside. Well, I mean, uh, uh, I think that uh, uh, there was a, a U.S. national interest. Uh, that many believed in that it would be good to have a, a residual presence in Afghanistan. Although, uh, uh, whether the President Biden or President uh, Trump would have ultimately wanted that, uh, uh, was, uh, was, uh, uh, to be determined. But it became clear, uh, from the initial engagement with the Taliban that as Taliban, they would not agree as part of our agreement with the Talibs for uh, the presence of a residual force uh, um, after the main forces uh, were out. And the reason that the Talibs said uh, uh, repeatedly that although they look forward to cooperation with the United States after the agreement, uh, but that accepting a residual force uh, would undermine the very rationale for which they have sacrificed so much, fought the United States and the coalition for so many years, because they sold it to their uh, people as a resisting occupation, a foreign military presence on their territory. And therefore, as Talibs, they couldn't agree uh, uh, on paper that there could be a residual force. But they said, however, uh, since the agreement with the U.S. opens the door to inter-Afghan negotiations and uh, uh, an agreement on the future political order, when that new order, that new government was, sometimes we call them interim, transitional, power-sharing government, that that government then will decide uh, the longer term. Uh, uh, and uh, 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 only in that scenario could they envisage uh, the possibility of some residual U.S. forces staying uh, as part of a national decision. So not as a political movement, but as a government, um, whatever uh, power sharing, I think, is, a, is, is a, a nice euphemism for what ultimately is, is, has already taken place and what probably will. But as a government dominated, controlled by Taliban. I think I likely, unlo- very unlikely, I would say, n- uh, no chance because now they are the Talibs will have to decide uh, uh, to allow for a, 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 a military presence. I think uh, that what they were uh, uh, saying at that time is that, that let's say it's a 50 50, whatever the percentage was, government between the Republic uh, and, and the Talibs, uh, uh, because the Republic elements or other elements might want an American military presence because they would argue. We need uh, the American support to build the, the uh, you know, and sustain our national security institutions. We need American economic assistance. And in order to, to, to get that assistance, more, it is more likely that we would get it if there was a presence because Congress would vote for significant resources than if there wasn't. So it was in a different, uh, uh, uh environment and a different scenario than the scenario that we have now. 
so it was a momentary opportunity if 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 in fact it was an opportunity at all it, it would have meant that the uh, uh, afghan forces would not have had, uh, would not have collapsed it would have meant that uh, president ghani was serious about negotiations he wouldn't uh, run away and then that they would sit together uh, and as the talibs were uh, willing although i i don't uh, want to absolve the talibs of uh, responsibility also for the lack of progress on uh, political power sharing or, or a political settlement. But I think uh, the, the, the poor performance of the Afghan security forces, despite the billions and billions and, uh, you know, almost 20 years of U.S. investment, uh, to that uh, this is one of the issues that we would have to examine, learn lessons from it. Why did it uh, that despite this huge effort, uh, the Afghan military did not perform uh, uh, in terms of resisting uh, the Talibs uh, once uh, the U.S. forces were out or once it became clear that the U.S. forces are leaving. I don't want to relitigate the past, but I do need to ask you about the February 2020 agreement. I think uh, <clears throat> General McMaster described it as a surrender agreement. Others have characterized it. Not as a peace agreement, but as a, as essentially a withdrawal agreement. Looking back now, um, some have accused you of essentially masterminding uh, U.S.-Afghan policy. Um, all conditions are not created equal. That agreement had four basic components. A withdrawal timetable, um, commitments on counterterrorism, uh, <clears throat> commitment to Af inter-Afghan reconciliation, power sharing, and a comprehensive ceasefire. <clears throat> In the end, Zal, let me ask, battlefield realities seem to dictate that only the first two of those commitments were likely to be adhered to. You must have understood this at the time. You were given an assignment to negotiate. You negotiated a package. Two elements of the package never materialized. And that's where the criticism lies, correct? Excluding the Ghani government, legitimizing the Talibs, delegitimizing Ghani. Was all of this clear to you uh, as crystal during the period leading up to the agreement and afterwards, uh, uh, first, a couple of uh, factual issues. Uh, we uh, did not uh, uh, neglect the government. Uh, that the government uh, uh, and the Talibs, uh, the Talibs were refusing to uh, negotiate with the government uh, because it regarded the government as a puppet installed by the uh, foreign occupation forces, as they saw it. And uh, for 15, 16 years, we, our preference was for the government and the Talibs to sit across the table to negotiate. But the Talibs uh, said they wanted to negotiate with us first, and that opened the door to face-to-face -face negotiations. So that goal was achieved, an element of the third fact, uh, element that you mentioned, inter-Afghan negotiation for the government and the Talibs to sit across the table. Story. First time in 40 years of war. Now, uh, I think uh, 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 there are two comments to make broadly on what you said. One is that the agreement was uh, consisted of those four packages. 
it was up to our president uh, to uh, decide whether he wanted to hold the Talibs uh, to say we could have said to them, since there isn't an agreement on a power sharing uh, uh, or uh, on a comprehensive ceasefire, we would not want to withdraw, therefore, uh, until uh, uh, because our uh, delivery on our commitment depended on them delivering on their commitments. Uh, but uh, I, I think over time, as you, uh, uh, as you say correctly, uh, two things happened. One, we were all surprised by the intransigence, frankly, of the President Ghani in, uh, in insisting to stay in power until his term. Uh, despite the fact that he had come out uh, uh, re-elected uh, uh, in a fraudulent election that very few Afghans participated, some 18% of the population of 40 million Afghans participated in that election. And then two presidents de uh, declared themselves after that election, which we discouraged them from, uh, from, uh, uh, from holding it rather than perform, you know, establishing a peace government for negotiations. But in any case, that was one, uh, uh, and therefore people became pessimistic on a political settlement and fearful that if we stick to that condition, we'll get stuck in Afghanistan indefinitely as, as, as they will not negotiate. And second, uh, the withdrawal, uh, the, the performance of Afghan forces, uh, I think was another surprise. Uh, I think very few people would have anticipated uh, that this force of 300,000 facing a force of 60 to 70,000 uh, with all the equipment uh, and having uh, American military support uh, 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 disintegrated and did not fight. And that may have had to do much more with uh, with politics of Afghanistan, that people didn't believe in it, the soldiers and the cause, the Talibs believed in their cause, corruption and undermined the legitimacy maybe in the eyes of the people or the soldiers who, who would have didn't want to risk their lives for that uh, there may have been how the government that treated the soldiers in terms of paying their salaries on time and what have you so there are a lot of factors that uh, would explain uh, uh, the, the the and we have to learn uh, more about that and learn lessons from it but i think the agreement provided the option for the president to decide uh, whether to pursue a condition-based uh, approach. And uh, in fact, I said to Congress uh, in August uh, of uh, 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 2020 that once we get to the end of the first phase of our withdrawal to go to 8,600, we would do a study of whether the, uh, the Talibs have made conditions, have met the condition before we move to the next phase. But ultimately, President Biden decided to go, uh, pursue a calendar-based approach. That wasn't the problem of the agreement. It was the problem of the performance. Um, mostly, I would think of our side in Afghanistan that uh, led uh, 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 the president uh, decide that if we make it condition-based, we will get stuck and therefore to go for a calendar-based approach. Right. In the spirit of the worst spirit of bipartisanship, I would also say that uh, it, it also seemed fairly clear or should have been clear that under the Trump administration, the prime directive was withdrawal. Right. We want to make sure that yeah, calendar-based calendar withdrawal, I think, characterized both 
both um, or this, uh, uh, the Trump administration and the Biden administration. Sure, absolutely. No, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to signal anything different. You no, know, I know from my own personal experience that negotiators can easily, without um, much effort, get so involved and wrapped up in their negotiations uh, that they lose some sense of perspective. They get they get too close to the ne- the, the people with whom they're negotiating. Um, that charge has been leveled. Uh, or that critique has been leveled against you, that you were too close to Ghani. You knew him personally. There was a certain amount of animosity, particularly in probably because um, he knew you were negotiating uh, with with the Talibs. Is any of that? Does any of that resonate with you looking back now? Were you too close to the negotiations? And part of the mystery. Did one last point. Part of the mystery of Zalmi Khalilzad is that. You were born in Afghanistan. You have a special feel and expertise. It would be completely unnatural if you didn't. And that gave you an extraordinary uh, advantage in many respects. I guess my question is, was it also disadvantageous, do you think? Well, others would have to judge that, Aaron. Of course, I have a lot of experience in negotiating. Uh, I mean, I, after all... uh, helped Afghans negotiate their constitution, their first election. I helped Iraqis negotiate their constitution and their uh, 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 kind of uh, reconciliation effort, uh, uh, mixed uh, results and the UN. So, and I studied uh, the issue. I, I had certain advantages also because of my knowledge of the culture and the languages uh, and the body language even and the kind of uh, implied messages uh, but uh, 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 i i leave it to others to 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 judge i think president uh, ghani and i have had known each other for a long time in fact he said to me that pompeo had called him when he was thinking of appointing someone for reconciliation effort or for peace and he had recommended me as the best person to do so he said it on many occasions but I think it was more uh, what I my mission was, uh, which was to get an agreement that ensured U.S. withdrawal, but also uh, dealt with terrorism and, and Afghans negotiating with each other. And uh, uh, and he just simply was not prepared, uh, given the realities on the ground, especially if you took the U.S. forces out of the equation to to adjust for a long time. His grand miscalculation was that he didn't think we would, were serious about withdrawal, that we would never withdraw. How could you withdraw from a country uh, which was close to China, Pakistan, Iran, Russia? Uh, this was the most valuable piece, piece of real estate in the world. And I, I tried to persuade him that, no, President Trump was very serious. Uh, uh, and he said, no, the intelligence or military tells me otherwise. I told him, listen, uh, uh, just believe me, this is very serious. You, uh, you, we want to get out. And then I think he miscalculated badly about the performance of his forces because uh, he was happy, he said at the end, when President Biden decided to withdraw. He said, now I'm free to fight the war the Afghan way. And in six months, you will see I would uh, I would uh, defeat the Taliban forces because you were fighting it poorly, incorrectly. I think that was a fundamental challenge, no matter who the negotiator was. I think this uh, 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 President Ghani's insistence 
to serve his term until it was too late uh, uh, and not to, sh uh, to step aside. He wanted the Talibs to become part of his government and the Talibs wanted a new government to be negotiated with someone that would to be acceptable to both sides to lead that government. And that would have meant uh, not President Ghani. Well, one final question, Zalan. You've been very generous with your time. And that is, uh, deals with the issue of accountability or responsibility, which people who have served the Republic often have a very difficult time assuming. As you look back now on a long involvement, decades in this problem, do you do you bear any personal responsibility with respect to your own regrets about things or anything that you did um, that was consequential enough that it would have made a difference in the way things actually turned out? I will reflect on that uh, in the first instance. Uh, of course, I'm responsible for what I did, uh, and, uh, and, and I take uh, responsibility for that. I mean, I was the chief negotiator. I was the ambassador earlier, and I had a personal uh, uh, attention to Afghanistan because of the fact that I was born there. Even when I was not in government, I paid attention. Uh, you know, I... Uh, with happiness served on the board of the American University of Afghanistan, which I helped uh, establish when I was ambassador. I uh, at the Education Foundation built a high school for girls in Kabul. And I, uh, I, uh, uh, I am uh, disappointed uh, in uh, uh, that the elite that we worked with uh, and uh, uh, that they didn't rise to the occasion, this golden opportunity that the American engagement provided, uh, that uh, the state and nation building, uh, institution building, that uh, we supported massively, uh, but that uh, that uh, did not succeed in the way we succeeded in terms of the uh, the uh uh this uh, dismantling or dissemination of terrorism but in terms of uh we succeeded in transforming afghan society in terms of education the young people uh their skills the uh, development of our cities infrastructure but that we didn't transform and uh, the politics uh to have an enlightened uh, national interest focused elite uh uh Serving uh, their people, they became uh, they uh, became very selfish, self-centered, corrupt, uh, and 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 uh, failed in the in that mission. And since we all had a role in helping them, uh, including myself personally, maybe there is something that uh, that in that uh, in. Uh, uh, but I can tell you with uh, full confidence that I tried. Uh, although it didn't work, I tried my very best uh, to uh, to for for reasons of America's interest and America that I represented, so that we have a good legacy left behind. But also, for I have never forgotten who I am, uh, the where I was born, uh, uh, where my uh, family is buried, where uh, my roots are. Uh, to do the best that I could, uh, try as hard as I could, use all my skills and abilities, limited as they are, uh, to uh, to give peace a chance for Afghans to come to uh, to end their long war, uh, because 
the people of Afghanistan were yearning for peace. Every day, two, three hundred Afghans were killing. Some people forget that the reasons we wanted to do this is not only ourselves, but also the people of Afghanistan were tired of this 40-year-long war. And that mission is not complete. It's, that mission still remains valid. Uh, and we should do what we can as, as uh, given our engagement uh, and the sacrifices and the lives uh, that have been lost to do what we can to help them to get to that, uh, to that uh, uh, destiny, that, uh, that uh, uh, place that they should, uh, a peaceful country at peace with itself and with the world and developing uh, over time. Zalmehulzad, thank you so much for joining us on Carnegie Connects. Um, and um, I, I know you will continue to reflect on those years. Take care and thanks, thanks to all of you for joining. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you very much. Nice to be with you. Thank you for listening to Carnegie Connects, a production of the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace. Views expressed are those of the host and guest panelists, and not necessarily those of the Carnegie Endowment, which takes no institutional positions on public policy issues. Subscribe to Carnegie Connects on popular platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. Like what you heard today? Learn more at carnegieendowment.org slash Carnegie Connects. Tim Martin is our audio engineer, and Catherine Buchanan and Cliff Jayapranata are our executive producers. I'm Aaron David Miller, and until next time, think positive and test negative.